Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. Thanks to Ryan Smith of Qualtrics, who jumped on with us in the last segment. I want to remind you about our friends at Zero Res. The no-residue method continues to lead the industry in cleaning technology. To date, no other method has been proven to uh, to out-clean Zero Res. Zero Res is continuing to clean for just $33 per room. Your fourth room is absolutely free. Call 801-288-9376. That's 801-288-ZERO. Gordon, I've been wondering throughout all of this when uh, we would get to whether or not the players were going to get paid and how that would work in the NBA. And I've been trying to look into it a little bit. And really, I don't think anybody you know, knows for sure how this is, is going to work. But of course, companies, businesses all across the country are figuring out how to compensate employees. You know, the NBA certainly is no different from their employees to the players who obviously make up a, a substantial amount of the payroll. And I don't know if we have an answer yet, but I, I do have a little more info courtesy of uh, Mark Stein. You want to, you want to hear about this a little bit? Do tell. Okay. I'm just going to, I'm just going to read through, uh, I'm just going to read through some of his, uh, some of his tweets here. Um, and now that I say that, of course, my computer uh, picks a time to misbehave. All right, here we go, Gordon. Roughly 90% of NBA players have received less than half of their 2019-2020 salaries by the time the April 1st checks go out because they're on a 12-month payment plan, according to league sources. And that's an estimate, by the way. Um, now, here's where some things get interesting, Gordon. Less than 20 players league-wide have negotiated all-you-can-get deals which feature the maximum allowable salary advance alongside an accelerated six-month payment schedule. So less than 20 players league-wide get all of their money basically in the season is, is more or less what that's saying. Okay. So right. that, that number seemed low to me, actually. Yeah. So now check this out. Nine of those 20 who got those all-you-can-get deals, uh, which uh, which have already paid out, by the way, 90-plus percent of the 2019-2020 salary by April 1st. Nine of those players are represented by Rich Paul. Oh, interesting. And so, I mean, those are, those are players like John Wall, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, uh, Trey Lyles, interestingly uh, enough. Kevin Durant also has one of those deals. So does Kyrie Irving. Blake Griffin does as well. Uh, those are not represented by uh, by Clutch Sports. Now, uh, Stein goes on. He says, the vast majority of players on the 12-month payment plan will have received only 10 of their 24 checks for the 2019-2020 regular season by the time April 1st payouts are complete. Uh-huh. So only 10 out of 24 checks. That's that's a lot of money. Now, here's why this is, uh, this is relevant, Gordon. I'm sorry I'm a little windy on this. I want to get your thoughts. But this is why this is relevant. Uh, let's see. Um, 
The NBA players receive paychecks tomorrow, but have not been assured further payments. Some details to keep in mind if the NBA seeks to withhold 1.08% of each player's 2019-2020 salary for every game missed by invoking a clause basically in the CBA designed for emergency situations. Uh, He adds, all this will come into greater focus if league decides to indeed make checks stop. Some league observers are indeed curious to see if NBA's recent decision to reduce the salaries of its 100 best player uh, paid employees proves to be a precursor to trying to withhold player wages. Yeah, there's no way of knowing. I, I have no way of knowing what what uh, how that decision will be made or who will make it or what the decision will be. But I, I anytime we talk about uh, player salaries and the way they're distributed, uh, people, uh, and by people I mean a lot of folks in the general public, they immediately think, oh, they don't need it. Mm-hmm. You know, they make so much. What difference is that going to make to them when when I'm living paycheck to paycheck, trying to keep a roof over my family's head and trying to buy groceries for them and keep them safe and sheltered? Uh, now, as we've been told by some NBA players in the past, that it, uh, it's uh, expensive being rich. And I don't know whether these guys uh, have bills to pay or whether they have massive bills to pay, how dependent they are, probably varies from individual to individual. But you would expect that even if some of these players are living on half their salary, that they would be able to get by on that. Don't you think that would be the general attitude? Well, no, because I don't think I don't think NBA players are, are worried about putting food on the table at, at the moment. So I don't I don't think that's the issue. I think the issue. Well, but I'm is, talking about what how pe- what people's uh, perception of the problem is. One way or another, they're owed millions of dollars. Right. So they're not just going to say, "Oh, never mind. I don't care," because times are tough. I mean, they're going to want to be compensated what they're owed. Because they're, I mean, that's their their contract. And and Mannix told us the other day, you know, I would 100% think the league is going to invoke this clause at one point or another. But I, uh, the interesting part will be the players' union's reaction to it and how much they fight or don't fight for uh, their players. And I think that's why some of this info is really relevant because uh, somebody like Donovan Mitchell, for example, or let's use Rudy because he's paid more. Rudy is owed more than 50% of his salary for this year, even though most of the season is complete that's that's a lot that's that's a lot of money now the the nba franchises want their cash flow right so i these players are going to get their money one way or another it's just how and when so what is the as far as this this uh this thing that can be evoked by the league or by owners by ownership, how does that work? Do they have to ultimately pay out all the money or because of extenuating circumstances, because of an emergency situation, do they not have to pay it? See, that that's I mean, so this they'll get some of it. I mean, if they some of it, yes. They but invoke, do they have to do they have to pay out all of it? Well, this this clause means that they would uh, withhold 1.08% of each player's 2019-2020 salary for every game missed. Okay. So that's not that's not necessarily devastating, but could could an NBA franchise just say, "You know what? We'll give you everything that you're owed. We're just not going to give it to you now." Uh-huh. 
Yeah. We're not going to give it to you in your expected April 1st check. I mean, I don't know. Is that something that they could do? Yeah, I, I, I don't know what their options and, and are. And see, a player like LeBron has 90% of his money already in his pocket. So is he going to fight against something because he's basically already got what he what he wants? Is he going to fight more than, say, Donovan Mitchell, who's still owed 60% of his money or whatever it is? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh-huh. Boy, I tell you, that sure does. <laughs> I, nobody could predict this kind of situation. But those who have been, uh, who have gotten their, most of their money, that, that sure seems like uh, good foresight uh, right now, doesn't it? Yeah, it certainly seems like the way to go. You can, you can see where the, it would be tempting to spread it out over the year, you know, because you, you can expect consistency. But my guess is these, these 20 or so players that got this other, you know, agreement is probably because if you have money in hand, that means you can do something with it, right? Exactly, exactly. And when you're talking about, in some cases, the amounts – that that can that can go to work for you. Of course, with the way the markets have been, maybe it's better not to have it because uh, you know uh, we know how that can go at times. But I, the sympathy factor from from fans, I don't think is is going to be enormous when it comes to this because they think they think these guys have plenty, regardless of uh, when or how the payments are made or if. Well, I'll tell you what, if the players were thinking from a PR standpoint, um, or even the owners for that matter, but uh, just say, hey, uh, we'll forgo payment throughout all of this and just uh, pay us what we're owed on the back end as long as you keep employing employees for the time being. Yeah. Because that's what this is about, right? I mean, NBA franchises need cash flow to keep the lights on when no revenue is coming in. So what do you do? And and how do you save money in in order to minimize the damage so much? And I'm sure it's really tempting for an NBA franchise when they look at the amount of money, the amount of the pie that is going to specific players. I'm sure they're all thinking about how best to use that cash for the franchise as a whole. And I'm sure the players on their end just want to get what's owed to them, right? But if you could find out a way to make that work the best for everybody, that would be ideal. But, you know, I don't know if that's – hopefully that's what's happening, right? Well, these are the same questions that are being asked on Main Street. Right. You know, these are the same questions being asked at at, at Don's shoe store down on – that might have four or five employees, you know? And, and and people are being told to stay home, and that's not exactly an essential business. At least I don't think it's listed as such. And so what, what do those folks do? They still have to pay rent. They still have to pay their bills, and they're sitting there going, okay, uh, two plus two doesn't equal four right now. Right. So how, how, do you, how do you make that work? It's just that in the case of the NBA, the numbers are greatly inflated. Greatly inflated, but I mean the same circumstances you as you put uh, applies. I mean, I my I have I, I guess somebody close to me that was furloughed uh, yesterday, uh, Gordon, and this, he was furloughed from a company that flat doesn't have the cash flow. They don't have the cash in the bank to pay these employees. Right. I mean, right. they just flat don't. I'm sure they didn't want to furlough people. I'm sure they'd love to pay people to stay at home and do nothing, but they don't have the cash coming in. And in a business like the NBA, where the gate, I know we get so, 
uh, caught up in TV money, which they're also not getting right now, but we all get so caught up in TV money, we don't realize that the gate is still what fuels the engines uh, for the most part. The, the, the daily take is, is what keeps everybody paid. And when nobody is going through those turnstiles, Gordon, everything comes to a screeching halt. So how do you manage the cash that you have on hand? And I mean, that that's a huge exact, problem. <laughs> that's exactly the question that's being asked at, at businesses big and small. And some can absorb it easier than others. And, and some really have a difficult time making it work. This, this is one of the reasons it's so smart for individuals to have a little, a little uh, you know, amount held back that they can use in an emergency situation. Now, I know there are people out there who are just trying to do the best they can to support their household, and they, there's not a mar- big margin there. I, I, I get that. But man, I'll tell you, in times like this, when if and, and I'm assuming that these businesses will, if they can survive, will be able to get right back at it in, in three or four months, let's just say. Uh, the, the, the question is, what happens from here to there? Uh, and, and what about these individuals? They're not NBA players, but they're employees. They have concerns. They have they have financial concerns. They're trying to do the best they can. Uh, to, to, to better the lives of their family and themselves and to keep that family healthy and safe and, and provided for. But uh, it, it's, I don't know how this works when, when folks don't have something in reserve. I, 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 don't, I don't know what they're going to do. What are they going to do, Jake? I don't know. And, and I'm just, uh, as you're talking, Gordon, trying to, to look up uh, some statistics. And this is something from MarketWatch.com in January of 2020. It says, depending on the survey, that figure, that figure uh, let's see here, I'll start over. This reflects just how many Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Depending on the survey, that figure runs from half of workers making under $50,000 to 74% of all employees. Wow. Uh, and almost three in 10 adults have no emergency savings at all. Man, that is, uh, I, I, I guess the government is trying to make out payments to people who fit into a certain economic category. Uh, ho- hopefully that will be able to help maybe. I, but when we're talking about the NBA players, Jake, this is where your, your average rank and file, good, solid citizen out there is is hearing about NBA players not getting paid, and they understand that they have, you know, they some there's contractual obligations and whatnot, but they're trying to feed their families. Yeah, and so the the, the sympathy level for guys that are making twenty twenty five million dollars a year, okay, you only made twelve this year. I think you'll be all right. At least that's the way the general public, much of it, looks at these kinds of questions. Yep. All right. Who do you feel? Who do you feel worse for? I mean, if you let's say you're under contract for twenty million and you're an NBA player and you've got nine of it this year, okay. Well, you're you're losing out on you don't have the other eleven million, but I mean, there's folks out there that are making wage trying to. Who are you going to feel sorry for? Yeah, I mean, there's support staff and NBA franchises are you know all over the place that, uh, you know, are living paycheck to paycheck. So, yeah, you're right. The sympathy level for NBA players is not going to be uh, necessarily high. But at the same time, you know, they're owed what they're owed. It's 
it's is it fair to ask them to to support you know all of this to keep the lights on right Will you give us that number one more time on the general population of American workers? What you uh, say? I'll just, uh, let's see. Um, I'll just read this again. Uh, how many Americans living paycheck to paycheck, depending on the survey, that figure runs from half of workers making under $50,000 to 74% of all employees. Uh, and almost three in 10 adults have no emergency savings, according to Bank Rate's latest financial security index. Mm. Wow. Yep. I so, hope we can I hope we can battle through this. Yeah, that's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of people. Uh and you know, hopefully the NBA, which is of course our model for for talking about this, you know, hopefully NBA franchises like all companies out there can manage and find that sweet spot where they can keep food on people's tables and and continue to function. But I mean, it's yeah. It it this whole thing, Gordon, is going to cause a lot of pain and heartache in a lot of different ways for folks out there. And the NBA is kind of the the headliner in all of this because it, in, in a lot of ways, kickstarted a lot of us taking this really seriously. But you know, they're going to have to figure it out just like anybody else. Yeah, let's hope for the best and work for the best over the next uh, uh, few months, and uh, and hope everyone can pick it up from there. Uh, that's that's my hope anyway. And I, and on top of that, then you have the health issue, and you're certainly hoping that all of the folks out there stay as safe and healthy as possible. I really like what Chris Mannix said on our show yesterday, Jake, that uh, my parents are not expendable, he said. They are not expendable. We can talk about these economic issues all the day long, but when you're talking about lives at stake, that's a whole other thing. And, and and maybe there's some, you know, maybe there's some overlap in those regards. You gotta you gotta be able to feed people to keep them healthy. Right. Yeah. You absolutely do. All right, uh, let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now, by the way, Amy Donaldson's going to join us next uh, at 4.30 of the uh, Deseret News. She's uh, kind of gone from sports coverage into the news side of things, and uh, we'll get her thoughts on, on what's going on and uh, certainly get her thoughts on what's going on in the world of sports as well. That's straight ahead. But uh, joining us now, our friend Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. And, Andrew, so glad that you can, you guys can still keep the door, doors open and help our listeners. Yeah, we are open, and, you know, we're taking a lot of precautions to make sure patients are safe. Uh, we're, we're doing temperature checks now at the door, which our patients have been really pleased about and grateful that we're doing that to make sure that um, everybody's safe. There's actually no waiting room anymore. So you go straight into a room, completely isolated and no contact. Uh, guys that had ED prior to this crisis still have ED, and sometimes the problem is magnified a little bit. And we're seeing guys that say, this is a perfect time to press the reset button on my relationship uh, to get my erectile dysfunction fixed. They are, of course, sick of taking the medication. They're sick of their doctors or the urologists just prescribing and prescribing and prescribing. They want a natural fix. And that is exactly what our technology, the acoustic wave therapy does in about two or three weeks, which is pretty cool in and of itself. Two to three weeks, the clinical studies say that most guys will get back to a normal and natural function in the bedroom and will not need the pills anymore. How many guys are listening uh, right now thinking in, in times like this at home, it'd be nice to have a little spontaneity back? It would be nice to have a little spontaneity back. Yeah, it'd be nice to improve the intimacy and the relationship. This is not something you have to do forever. Uh, two to three weeks. Think about that. 
um, we could be the you know in the mid part of April. You could be done with these treatments. I've seen guys get results starting on the first treatment that noticed it that night. So it's been really cool to watch the process and watch guys, um, you know, release those pills. They're no longer a prisoner to the medication. All right. Here's the number to call. 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. And you'll get our listeners in to see a doctor and a little something extra as well. We will. Free exam, free consultation, blood flow ultrasound. This is an analysis of you with an MD. Um, we'll also give you a special gift that produces instant results in the bedroom. That is totally free. There are no strings attached, guys. Give us a call, and we'll get you right in. 801-901-8000. That's 801-901-8000. Thank you very much, Andrew. Thank you, guys. All right. We'll have more next. Amy Donaldson joins us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Today is a Total Request Tuesday uh, at Jake Scott's own at Austin Horton. Songs you love or bands you love that everybody else hates. Uh, brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. Buy concert tickets and get the latest tour news and artist insight at LiveNation.com. This seems like your type of song, Gordon. I don't mind this song. Who is this? Uh, Austin just told me, and I... I couldn't tell you. Spandau Ballet. Come on. Spandau Ballet. You didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know that. I, I, I didn't know it right now, but I, uh, now that I'm reminded of it, yeah. This is a dreadful song. But I guess that's, this, uh, the, this that's came the point. Out about, I'm thinking along about uh, early 80s, maybe? Yeah, I, I think. Mid, uh, mid, mid 80s? I uh, first got familiar with it uh, with the, uh, uh, what's the Adam Sandler movie? The Wedding Singer. Uh, Band of the Day, brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. Get uh, concert tickets and the latest tour news and artists inside at LiveNation.com. We're going to talk to Amy Donaldson coming up here momentarily. We'll get her thoughts on the world of sports and what's going on in our community while we battle the coronavirus. Have we heard any association songs so far? We have not. We're going to have to play uh, an association song at some point. It never ceases to amaze me. I mean, I, I've gotten some really good response on this whole thing from different bands. Grateful Dead, Cat Stevens, the association, nothing. <laughs> Absolutely. I think only my dearest uh, friends out there in Twitterverse like that one today. So we'll see what she comes up with tomorrow. Okay. It's been a fun little I, uh, exercise, though. I have no problem with it since I lived through uh, the association. Did you uh, like the association when they were popular? Yeah, we had that. I had that record. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what. Like, they, there's some covers on there. I mean, Cherish is really good, and some other songs. But uh, like, there's some really good covers on there. It was like, uh, I think there was a Beatles cover on there. There's a Bob Dylan cover for sure. So anyway, really, really good. We'll get some. Uh, we'll get some association maybe a little bit later on in the day but let's get out to the sprint special guest line lease any phone and get an ipad or samsung tab a for 99.99 visit the sprint store nearest you joining us of course our good friend from the deseret news amy donaldson amy first of all how are you how's your family is everything going well i'm great i'm uh, i'm like you guys uh trying to work as rem- from remotely which sports writers do anyway right like i spent 20 years 
training for this moment. <laughs> well, well. By the way, tell us that uh, you've you've changed your role over these past couple of years, and no longer just writing sports. You're doing some podcasting and some other stuff. Talk about kind of what you've got going on. Well, yeah, I actually started the podcasting stuff in 2016. Um, and Gordon, Gordon was the, he gave me the good advice when I started doing talk radio, doing uh, some sports high school radio stuff. But um, yeah, we started a political podcast, the worst year ever to do that in 2016. Right. And um, yeah, and then we ended up starting a business and I'm actually working on some new episodes for an outdoor podcast that I'm relaunching in about three weeks. So if you're bored, look for Wild Why. That's my new outdoor podcast but in my my other job at the desert news i left sports last year sort of reluctantly um sort of looking to do something different and um uh i cannot i find i cannot leave sports <laughs> well you're good at it amy yeah i'm yeah, glad you're thing. good at it amy a lot of our listeners uh, are familiar with your writing and uh mm-hmm. just a terrific terrific writer and a strong strong columnist and, uh, you know, I, I miss uh, some of your sports columns because I thought they were just just terrific. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, uh, she has good opinions, Jake. Always yes. has. Oh, I have a lot of opinions. I don't know if they're good, but I definitely have a lot of them. <laughs> well, Amy, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the situation overall and then uh, maybe a couple of specific things you're working on. But what do you think about the way that our community here locally, you know, sports or not, has handled this pandemic mm-hmm. so far? Well, you know, I tend to believe that the Rudy Gobert thing probably, it probably is going to end up saving a lot of people's lives, especially locally. Um, I think it was tough at the moment. It seemed like a huge overreaction, but I'd been covering the coronavirus stuff since we had about six Utahns trapped on cruise ships. And so we were just kind of joking around and they said, why don't we make you the coronavirus writer? We had no idea what that was going to turn into. Um, But, you know, I knew right away that this was going to jeopardize the Olympics because that boat was docked in Japan. Right. And I was talking to people every day about what life was like there, how little they could um, interact with other people and travel, how it was impeding just every aspect of life. You don't think you just take for granted getting in a car and driving to a gas station, you know, handing off money to somebody. There's so many little things that you just that were being impacted and especially food service. I thought there's no way to guarantee that people won't get sick. There's no way you can do this. And then as we all know, the whole Oklahoma, that was just the craziest thing. I was actually at a play that night and I'm like, I ran out of the play at one point just because, and got on Twitter to follow what was happening. It was so bizarre. And I told my husband, I texted him and said, they're going to cancel the season. There's, if an NBA player has, COVID-19, we're, it's done. We're, sports is over. And uh, it was that's what happened. And uh, I just thought if you can't, because we had talked about crowds, you know, playing in a, without a crowd, like the NCAA tournament was planning to do. But I don't think anybody thought we couldn't keep those athletes safe. And I think that knowledge, that reality for me was like, we can't do this. We can't jeopardize these, you know, world-class athletes. You can't put them in this kind of danger. And, and also, I don't think you should put any of us in that kind of danger, but I don't, you know, I think it's been a really, people joke about it, but I think we've come to realize how important, um, they're not games, you know, they are, but they aren't. They're, we find this out a lot of times after 9-11, we found this out, 
they're so much more than just a pastime or way to entertain ourselves. Like they teach us so much about everything. And it's been, I think it's contributing to a lot of, you know, anxiety and depression and boredom. <laughs> you name it. My husband's watching marble races these days. So, you know. <laughs> You know, but, Amy, the the first the first person that I heard really ring that uh, bell as far as uh, sounding an alarm to not gather uh, in sporting events like that is this Dr. Anthony Fauci, who we've uh, mm-hmm. all you know gotten to know as far as his his statements and whatnot. And he, when he said it, I thought, okay, everybody better listen to this guy because he's the director of the uh, Center for Infectious Disease and all that. And then I saw this quote from him today on Twitter. I wanted to get your reaction to it. He said, we got to brace ourselves. In the next several days to a week or so, we're going to continue to see things go up. We cannot be discouraged by that because... The mitigation is actually working and will work. So that's kind of bad news, good news. I mean, when I hear him say that this is going to work, that makes me feel better. Yeah, I think I think um, in Utah we've been lucky. I remember they organized uh, the coronavirus uh, task force before we even had a case in Utah. And people were like, this is so dumb. What are they doing? And I actually accidentally got to hear a little bit of Mike Levitt talking about dealing with H1N1 um, and, and some of the other outbreaks. So, because um, he was Health and Human Services Director, I believe, under George Bush, George W. Bush. And he, and so I just, I think that um, listening to him say everything's going to seem like an overreaction and then in hindsight it will look like we didn't do enough. Um, I don't. I thought that just that just felt true to me. I had no scientific knowledge. I was one of those kids who, what are the minimum number of science classes I could take, and I'm out of here. <laughs> um, but I, I just felt like that was probably going to be the way it went, and that's absolutely the way it's gone. Um, it seems like ridiculousness to sit in your house and to be doing radio from my house and you're in your house, and one guy's in the studio. You know, I mean, it seems. It seems like a lot, but um, I think I have friends who live in New York who are describing the situation there, and um, it's, you know, nothing short of horrifying. Um, We don't know things like that in this country. We haven't had to deal with stuff like this. Um, We're very spoiled. We're very, even, you know, even in the worst situations in in America, like, we're very spoiled. I think it's exposing some of our weaknesses. You know that rebel spirit that we love—that individualism—is uh, is turning out not to be such a great thing. <laughs> when you want to self-isolate for the for other people, um, I think it's really uh, exposed some weaknesses in our healthcare system um, that we need to address. But I think you know, I, I have loved watching the resilience and ingenuity and creativity in people, and I think you know, in, in the end, we're going to come out with like most people do it after a tough situation, um, you know, with more ways to make money, more ways to have fun, more ways to connect. I think we all, I don't know about you guys, but like I've learned to value human connection in a way that I didn't three months ago. Um, you know, I just interviewed a bunch of people. I have a story coming out about 
all the medical moment, like, you know, dying, hospice, having a baby, all these things have been changed. Just like, you know, basketball is terrible, but the NBA season, which, by the way, I'm just going to break it to you guys now, there's not going to be an NBA season. I should done. <laughs> it's over. How they choose to end it or what they say about it, I don't know. But I think the thing I like about Dr. Fauci is prepare me for the worst so that I can be prepared and then and then the hope comes in. Then you say, okay, but if we do these things, we have a hope of making the death toll less and we have a hope of fewer people getting sick and of p- fewer people going out of business or losing their homes or all the things that could happen, um, you know, catastrophically. But I think the main thing to, to sort of appease yourself with is all the ways in which um, generosity is winning. I mean, you can just look around you. You guys probably see it as well. Um, and it's not just financial. It's every way. Staying home and doing these things, these are an act of generosity. And that, and that has been what's been hopeful to me. Um, because I, I miss playing the games as much as I miss watching the game. I mean, I would, I'm like seriously contemplating, you know, a, a illegal game of softball or or pickleball or something. <laughs> uh, our friend Amy Donaldson is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And Amy, you've uh, spent a lot of your career covering Olympic sports uh, at the mm-hmm. collegiate level. And, you know, I don't know if you saw the survey Brett McMurphy did from uh, Stadium, but he, he surveyed athletic directors and uh, got some quotes from them. And in, in, in that, it, it was obvious that maybe not necessarily P5 programs, but G5 programs, certainly. And the trickle-down effect of losing a football season, how bad that would be. Your thoughts on if a, a whole college football season was lost, that revenue, how that would impact maybe other college athletes? Uh, I mean, I think it's it's almost like every industry, right? Um, it's, it, I don't know that we've even... In our worst situations, I don't think we've contemplated it. I and mean, we've lost a whole, we've lost a major league baseball season. Like we lost some of a basketball season, right? We've been through this with professional sports, but I don't think we really contemplated it with college sports because these kids worked their whole lives. I mean, they're not kids, they're young adults. They worked their whole lives for this career. And I feel just heartbroken, just unbelievably heartbroken for these seniors. And everyone's saying, well, the winter sports athletes, it's not that big a deal. The season was almost over. Yeah, it was the playoffs. It was the very pinnacle of what you worked for, and they snatched it away from you. I mean, the kids I feel the worst for, like, are the Utah State basketball players. Like, can you imagine having this dream moment, this miracle happen, and then the worst part, like something you don't even see coming. We've never canceled March Madness. And so I just think, the emotional toll <laughs> that this is taking is sort of been, you know, we've, we've sort of like brushed it aside because we're like so worried about counting the money we're not making. But I, I think it's, I feel really bad. For, I've talked to some college athletes. Most of them don't even want to talk right now because they feel bad talking about what they've lost and how bad they feel when people are losing their lives. And it's understandable. Olympic athletes are, they felt the same way. Um, yeah, you know, for especially for women who've put maybe having a family on hold or somebody who's come back from a couple of injuries and they were at their peak this season, you know, and, and ready to, to roll into an Olympic season. Um, 
their whole thing now is, do I have another year in me? I don't think regular people like me can really even appreciate what goes into physically being ready season after season after season and then being for Olympians, it's once every four years. And then you have on college football, I have, I don't know what this is going to do because I think this is going to extend through the end of September, end of August. I think, you know, when you look at other countries and you look at the phases, you know, the first phase, second phase, third phase, the third phase is kind of the recovery phase. And that's what I see happening late August, early September, October-ish. And I think that, you know, President Trump and uh, Dr. Fauci have both mentioned July, end of July, mid-August as kind of maybe we enter that recovery phase. Um, but that's also contingent on us being super dedicated to this social distancing and staying home and not doing stuff. And that means football players, I mean, you're training by yourself. You can't even go to a gym. I mean, think about this. <laughs> it's, I don't even know. Everybody doesn't have a home gym. I don't have a home gym anymore. You know, I mean, I don't, I just go out and run in the mountains. I mean, people are going to have to get really creative about how they stay in shape. And, um, you know, I haven't thought much about the NFL season because I, I, but like as a college coach, I would be losing sleep at night for how to keep these kids in shape, how to get them into shape when you get to August, because I don't think they're going to have, you know, uh, the fall camps that we're used to. Um, it's going to shorten the season somewhat or push it back. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, but um, financially it's going to be a hit for the, I mean, think about all the sports um, sponsorships that are, you know, the the companies don't have money, so they're not going to pay them when there's no games. That All that money goes to support these athletes. Uh, you know, will you have, how will you pay for these scholarships? I, you know, there's just so many little things that stadium expansions, programs that are there to support the kids for academics or, um, you know, make sure they're healthy, athletic training programs, stuff like that, that support them medically. I, I just think there's just so many little tiny pieces of this that we just haven't even considered that could be impacted, diminished, or lost because these kids are not going to be able to do any team workouts or any, get into any facility, I'm telling you, until mid to late July at the earliest. Amy, I really like that point you made about how difficult it is for athletes to talk about how bad it hurts when mm-hmm. you look around and see people in ill health, you see people dying, you see uh, economies completely coming sort of to a to a bit of a halt. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people are suffering right now. And so I thought about this today when I heard Zach Wilson on with Hanson Scotty say how, how hard it was not to be able to to work out the way he normally does and I felt his pain I mean I thought yeah Yeah. this is this is the routine and yet like you pointed out there must be this kind of collective guilt like hey wait a minute my circumstances are nowhere near as bad as what some people are facing and so yeah it hurts but they there's it's almost a guilty hurt yeah but we're not even allowing them to grieve it right we're not even saying like it's okay to be sad. It's okay to even shed tears about losing your senior season. I mean, you know, think of the sacrifice, you know, Gordon and Jake, what goes into uh, these kids making it to this level and and what yeah. they've given up and, and how hard they've worked. 
and and every time I ask people, like, what are you going to miss? And, you know, I've done it. I did it for 20 years. You, Gordon's done it for, like, 50 years. No, just kidding. But, <laughs> but, but I'm far we, off. You know, you ask them, like, what? What are they going to miss? And and they never say, well, they never say the interviews with us, first of all. They never say, like, you know, that, that, uh, that you know, running out into the lights or whatever. But it's, it's always that time with the guys, breaking down film, um, working on plays, running through, you know, playbooks, it, it, you know, working out, getting stronger, just being together and, and helping each other through what is a very demanding um, choice, you know, lifestyle choice, but we're, I feel a little bad. And especially as I read sports coverage still that we don't, we haven't allowed them this to grieve that because it, it is a pain. It is real. I feel for these seniors who, you know, I, I read about some 80 something year old woman who graduated from BYU Idaho and, you know, she's not going to get a graduation. Now she invited all her grandkids and her kids and everybody. Now she doesn't get to walk and there's no ceremony. And everyone's like, man, who cares? People are dying. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess that's true, but, but I do care too, because are we just not supposed to be us? Are we just not supposed to, what makes us, what I love about Americans is like, we, we rock the, we rock the milestones, you know, we celebrate the wins and and so I think it's just equally we have to like make some room for these kids to grieve what they've lost, to feel bad about it, and to not guilt trip them um, that their pain is somehow not valid because someone else somewhere is suffering more. You know, I think that's kind of the challenge, and we're not we're just not good at nuance right now in our society in any sense of the in any arena. <laughs> But I, I do hope we we figure that out during this time. Well, Amy, we love you. We love your work. Thank you so much for coming on with us. And will you please keep your phone on? Because I have a feeling we might be bugging you a lot during all of this. Sure. And I do. I actually am working on a little piece on uh, female college athletes. Oh, so, great. Um, so hopefully, uh, yeah, I, I think there's uh, some great kids. And I hope the NCAA is very NCAA-like and is compassionate and humane <laughs> fingers crossed right yeah 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 right if that would help that yeah, would help uh thank you Thanks, very guys. much amy you thank you See ya. that's the great amy donaldson uh keeping on her work at uh, the deseret news of course uh we're a little bit behind we'll get to a very quick not sports port coming up next bowler at the top of the five o'clock hour stay tuned 97.5 and 1280 the zone Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. So let's leave it alone. Cause we can't see eye to eye. There ain't no good guy. There ain't no bad guy. There's only you and me and we just disagree. Pig Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5. And twelve eighty, the zone. Gordon Monson's theme song here on a theme song Tuesday, because we've got a quick not sports port, and then we'll get to uh, Bowler on the other side. Not sports brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over one thousand used vehicles in inventory. Shop online lhmusedcars.com. Gordo, where are we headed today? We're headed home. Uh, Jake, did you take AP classes in high school? I took a few. Yeah. Did you, Austin? Yes, sir. So. Did you dread heading into those uh, 
to those AP tests that you had to take at the end, and you have to get, what do you have to get, at least a three out of five in order to get credit? Yeah, I believe mm-hmm. so. Right. That's how it was back then. Yeah, they were stressful. I don't know about you, Austin. Yeah, it's stressful stuff. Yeah, yeah, especially my senior year when I just skipped English class all year long, and the teacher made me a deal that she'd pass me if I passed the AP test. And? I passed. Got a three. Wow, good Did, for you. Went to class twice all year. Good for you. Wow. Maybe I shouldn't advertise that, because she saved my bacon, but... <laughs> You must be a natural. And uh, Jake, how'd you do? You did all right? Yeah, I passed. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought you guys, since you had to suffer through all that, and it's really grueling, right? It's a long test, and it's it's stressful, and it's uh, difficult, correct? Uh, yeah, very. Well, the college board has announced that uh, AP tests will be held this year with significant modifications. Each AP test will be provided on two days taken electronically from home, and they will span just 45 minutes. Wow, now's the time to cheat on the old AP test, huh? It says the syllabus to be tested will be a reduced version. Uh, It seems like uh, this is nice, but then some people are complaining since the tests are shorter and not as extensive that the cost should be reduced as well. But it seems like it's a good time to take the AP exams yeah, if right. you uh, if you if you're going to do it. And you get college credit if you if you get a three. What is it? If you get a three on it, you get a certain amount of college credit. If you get a five, you get even more college credit. I thought it was all or nothing, but I don't know. It's been a while. Well, been a while anyway. since I've been there, Gordo. So all these and you get to take it at home. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah, that that sounds better than the alternative. Sure. Are you telling me that you would cheat? Yes. On the AP test? <laughs> Absolutely the hell yes. Uh, I don't know. Back You'd then, be Googling maybe. Googling every answer? Yes. Well, I'm sure they have an eye out for that. You can't just cut and paste an answer. It probably wouldn't work. Prove it. Yeah, good point. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll get the bowler coming up on the other side. Joining us now, he is our good friend Ryan from the Dish Professionals. Ryan, I know folks are stuck at home and we're all just plowing through TV. <laughs> and one of my favorite parts about Dish from the Dish Professionals is that the, the interface puts it all there in one place, which is awesome. It's uh, super easy. And, you know, the technology tied in with, you know, having uh, not only all of Dish's 112,000 shows, but the uh, Netflix uh, Amazon, a video prime, YouTube, all built in, and having a voice remote that basically just puts that all at your fingertips or at your lips, I guess. You just say what you want, and it's on. Call us up today and take advantage of the promotions. You get all the movie channels free for the next three months. You get uh, one of the best promotions I've ever seen uh, just do, which, you know, 18 years, that's saying something. So call us up and We'll get you locked in the two-year price guarantee, two uh, free installation. I'll throw in dinner at a local company, JCWs. And yes, we are local. We really support. I really appreciate your support. And uh, you know, we can also help with internet. We have uh, cell phone services that we offer with hotspots. Um, you know, and it's surprising, actually, very surprising, how often we can come across people that. Uh, we can save a whole bunch of money on that end, too. Call us up today if you want to save some money and uh, get a better system and pay and uh, get dinner on us. It's easy. Call us now. 801-424-DISH. 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 Thanks, Ryan. We'll have more coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone.